Hello, and thanks for listening to Captivate Ed, a podcast dedicated to equipping education leaders like you with strategic storytelling solutions that address the ever-changing needs of your school and district. I'm your host, Jake Sturgis, founder of Captivate Media and Consulting, a team dedicated to using story to positively impact education. And this podcast is just that, lifting up your stories and learning from each other. Thanks for being here. Hello and welcome to Captivate Ed. I'm your host, Jake Sturgis, founder of Captivate Media and Consulting. You're listening to episode number four of our series focused on amplifying student voice to help transform adult mindsets. My guest today is Dr. Allison Gillespie. She is the Assistant Superintendent for Teaching and Learning for White Bear Lake Area Schools. Allison, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to be here. Can you talk a little bit about you and your background and uh, as well just a little bit about White Bear Lake Area Schools? I grew up in Minnesota and um, call Maplewood home. Forest Lake was where I grew up. And I am in my fifth year at White Bear Lake Area Schools, my second year in this position. Prior to this, I was a high school principal in White Bear Lake, and then I was an assistant principal in YZ. I ran my own alternative school for a while in Richfield. Really have been on my own equity journey as a, as a person and a leader for a long time, and leading here is my passion for sure. Wiper Lake is a district. We are a suburban district right outside of the Twin Cities area, um, north of St. Paul. We are an interesting district in a sense that we're, we go long from north to south. And so I would say we really are a microcosm of the United States. And we are about 75% white students, 25% students of color. And we have a wide range of families in terms of resources with socioeconomic status and we're really proud of all the different communities that are in our, we represent, but there are a lot of opportunities around bringing people together, especially in the climate and culture that our country is experiencing and definitely what we're experiencing locally in our state and in our community. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, it's kind of the journey that, that you've been on, you know, as a leader, uh, you know, both as a high school principal and now as an assistant superintendent, you know, in a community that, like you said, it's a microcosm of the United States and there, there's people with all sorts of different viewpoints and how have you learned and I guess, uh, navigate things and have conversations and, and advance the work forward? What I've learned most is that when you keep kids at the center, they're the ones that can help you, but it, it, requires us as adults to be vulnerable, which is really hard. And so as a leader, I tried really hard to do that and model that. And we participated in the Voices Project, and it was a really great learning experience for me. And from the video, I was the principal that a lot of the kids were referencing in that. And and so getting to hear their perspective on where I, I missed in terms of connecting with kids. And so my own personal journey as a leader is you're always looking at data and student outcome data, especially as a high school principal, but really as a, as a leader or a educator in a system, your goal is to help kids make sure that when they graduate, they have all the skills that they need. And I say to walk through any door that they want to. You know, as you look at data, we've talked for years. I think I've, this is my 20 plus year in education. We've talked about this achievement gap and really looking at closing gaps because the gaps are predictable in terms of achievement outcomes and it's predictable by race. So white students are outscoring students of color, particularly black students or um, Asian students or Latino students on, on tests that measure student achievement, but also looking at opportunity gaps. Are we, are we creating opportunities for all students to take advantage of you know, concurrent enrollment classes where students are earning college credit? Are, are students connecting with clubs and sports and really making sure that we examine all the different opportunities in our system? 
And that awareness in education started with No Child Left Behind, which was really, I think, 2000, 2001. It was right when I started in education. And so we've been talking and talking and talking about this, and we get better about talking about it, but what we don't get better about is really talking to students. And we make progress, but not enough progress and not fast enough. And so I think what ends up happening is a lot of adults end up talking, people get frustrated, and unfortunately it's become very divided in communities and something that people are afraid of. And by it, I mean talking about racial equity or talking about equity in general. And so what I really believe is when you talk about community and connection and kids and their experience, everyone understands that each parent expects for school to deliver for their kids and that they have opportunities and that they feel valued and seen in school. And while they may not agree that the pathway that school is going to take is always the right path, they understand that we can't fail kids. And so I have had you know, a ton of conversations with families who've been frustrated with what we're doing. But when you bring it back to the students, those conversations almost always go well because people, they care about kids. That's why people are so passionate. Unfortunately, schools have been in the middle of, of a lot of really difficult things and communities have and people are hurting. And so how do we bring our communities back together but we can't have our kids dropped in the middle? And so what Voices did for us was brought that student voice in in a really intentional way and really powerful way for our system. So when I was a high school principal, I also got a chance to be on principal on special assignment before I was in this role. We decided to do an equity audit of our system. And really, we did that because we realized we have a ton of data in terms of student achievement data from the state or nationally or even locally, but we didn't have voices from um, all of our families, in particular our families of color, our students of color, on experiences. So we did an equity audit, and that included surveys, focus groups from students to really see how's the experience for our students at school. And that equity audit gave us a lot of data on ways that we weren't meeting um, our students' needs, our families' needs, and that families and students weren't feeling seen, heard, welcomed in our schools. And so while that data is powerful, data sometimes you can explain away or you can question the method of collection or you can question the intent of it. And where the Voices Project, you can't explain away the kids that you know and love and see, especially when they've been in your classrooms. And so that was the power of and continues to be the power of the, of the Voices Project for us in White Bear Lake. Yeah, because I've, I've worked with districts who have done an audit and sometimes they feel like, okay, I've got this PDF and I can come armed with all of this, all this additional data and people are going to change their minds and, and start to, to uh, change their behaviors and create more equitable environments in their classrooms. But data doesn't typically change hearts and minds when, when people see that. And, and I think as adults, especially those adults working in education, people are aware of the gaps. People know that there's an achievement gap. People know there's an opportunity gap. People know that there's generally dis disproportionate suspension rates between students of color and white students. And the, the problem always feels so big, right? Like, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a paraprofessional. I'm just a bus driver. Like, what, what can I do to really help solve this? And I think, I know specifically with, with your project, as well as others, others that we've worked on, you know, it comes down to relationships, and that that's a message loud and clear that that adults hear is that students craving these relationships with with adults in their school, that the adults sometimes feel like they're they're giving, where they think maybe that fist bump at the beginning of class means that I've got a relationship with this student, and, and as we heard from students, they're they're wanting more and they're desiring more, and when they do have that relationship, 
how that really unlocks possibilities and, and, and opportunities to learn, to go farther with, uh, with their education. And that when you've got someone who believes in you and you know is on your side and you know, no matter what, that creates this environment in schools where students generally want to be more than maybe they are right now. Exactly. And that's, that really is the power of, of the Voices Project. And for us, for sure, was listening to the video and hearing the students share their stories, which is, it's emotional and it's hard to hear. But when you listen through their message, it made me realize as, as I, you know, keep it personal, um, my own reflection as a leader, I still feel overwhelmed not feeling like we're meeting all the outcomes in our system for each of our students, but especially wanting to make progress for those students that our system continually is is failing, which has been predictably students, we talk about it often, students of color, students who speak a language other than English, students who are receiving special education services, students who qualify for free or reduced lunch meals. We just keep thinking really high level and keep in our adult brains, overthinking things and, and making it this problem seem like you can't impact it. And then when you hear through the kids' voices and stories, it's so powerful what they say, but almost simple. And I don't say simple in a sense that what they're asking for is simple, but you realize what I really needed to do was connect truly with the, with the student and really see the student for all of who he, she, they are. And and I didn't, and I thought I was, but what I was doing is being an adult, and I didn't slow down enough. I kept going. I thought my, hey, how's it going, and all this was somehow connecting with a student, which is really naive to think that that was making a huge impact on a kid. And so that has stuck with me a lot, and I've tried to help adults see and hear what I heard. And then how do, how do we set that up so, so people have time to really learn what that means? Because then I do think you have to shift and be willing to shift the power dynamic in a classroom that you're willing to connect with kids differently. And that's hard because teachers and educators and principals and leaders, they've been trying super hard. I don't believe people have been not trying to connect. And kids, I mean, kids have liked some teachers and haven't liked teachers, but they don't have time for us to have our egos get in the way. And that's way easier said than done. And I think as adults, I mean, we've been trying to figure out these these uh, gaps and how to solve them for um, a number of years. So far, mostly unsuccessfully. And I, I, I feel like students are part of that solution and working together with students to figure out, all right, how how can we do things differently? How can we do things better? How can we do things to serve you more? And I I often think as adults too, we were afraid to hear what the students may say because that it might hurt and we may have to change the way that we're doing things. And we may be really comfortable teaching the same way that we've always taught. And then to hear something different coming from students can be hard to swallow, can be difficult to think of like, well, I know best. I'm the teacher. I'm an adult. I've been doing this for how long? But then to hear from students that, well, maybe you could be doing things a little bit differently to create more engagement, to be more equitable in the classroom that maybe an adult hadn't considered yet. Talk a little bit about what sort of impact did you sense from staff? Like, obviously we created the video, there were some facilitated conversations that took place after, 
can you talk a little bit, both in terms of like those facilitated conversations and the, I guess the buzz after that, but then even some, some longer term change and conversations that you continue to have with staff as they reflect on, on the voices framework. We created two videos, a middle school video and a high school video, and everyone at least watched one of the videos. Some, some wanted to watch both of them. And what we committed to the first round was reflection. And then if staff ever requested to watch it again, that they would commit to action after that. And that was my commitment to the students that were willing to participate in the Voices Project. And so what was really great is, one, the reflection and how deep it impacted our staff in terms of realizing the impact of relationships, but also where we were missing. I know our leaders really have deeply reflected on how we can change that narrative and experience for our students and using student voice differently, because that one has been a continuous experience that students have vocalized and we're trying to vocalize prior to the video. So the video, you hear it, and if you're able to really reflect and be vulnerable and take it in, and then you realize I, I, the students were trying to tell me that and I didn't hear it in the way I was supposed to hear it. So one, how do we create systems to have more feedback around student voice and really hear what students are telling us? How do we make sure student voice is included in decisions that we're making around students? And then how do we measure that the experience in classes are changing for students in connection with students? And we absolutely are not there. And I'm sure if you talk to a lot of the students in the video, some of them may say the experience hasn't changed fast enough for them. And that that's the part that is frustrating for all of us as adults, I think, because we want to change it, and yet it's not changing fast enough. There's plenty we can continue to do. What I know is, again, what I said before, we have to come together as community and really lean into the conversations and realize it can't be a few leaders in a room. It can't be about you know who has the greater title in an organization. And it can't be about not being willing to look in the mirror for each one of us. And so I say that about myself as much as I'm saying that about anyone else in our organization. And then really hearing from kids when we're not changing or a change that we're trying to make doesn't hit the mark. And so we're in that messiness right now. And it's hard because when those changes happen in an organization, especially in the middle of the climate we're in, it's hard for people who don't trust public education, which I believe there's a, a lot of people who don't right now. And so they question a lot of what we're doing and believe it's coming out of Alison Gillespie, the person, or my own personal agenda, instead of realizing it really is in response to student voice in our system. And even though you know, it may not be your student who's vocalizing this, we are hearing from students in our system that we're not meeting their needs. And so how do you make sure that people understand by meeting students needs here who haven't been met it doesn't mean that we're not going to meet your student needs and and that it doesn't have to be this polarization and so that is where I think leadership is key and leaders we need leaders at all levels of every you know community organization but for sure in schools and it has been you know things have been top down before and I, so I'm really that is my greatest conversation and so when we're partnering with kids how do we build up their leadership but then how do we make sure that educators feel empowered with the decisions that they're making so that they don't feel like well if I change this to meet the needs of my students am I going to get in trouble is that going to be supported what's going to be the pushback so it's a very difficult time to make change but also a perfect time to do it because really 
while we're in the middle of the, the intensity right now, I think we can be also the catalyst to bring people back together. And, you know, I think some people listening might think that sounds really Pollyanna-ish, but I don't say that lightly. And I know, I mean, things are really, really hard right now and they have been for two years, but our kids need us to believe in that and they need us to be willing to lean into it. And we absolutely need leaders at every single aspect of our organization. And so if we could, I would love for you to talk to the, all the kids again, because I think, I know we'd get another really raw video of, I'm sure they'd say, this I think is working and this stuff, get rid of it. Well, I think it's hard too for students because they're not in like the boardroom, so to speak. Like when you're talking about changing a grading policy or doing other things that a lot of those conversations, it's still just the adults, you know, around a table having conversations, trying to figure things out. And while there may be things going on to the average student or parent, they may think that nothing's changing because they're not seeing, they're not seeing those discussions and those, maybe that some of that tension behind the scenes as you're working to try and do the best for all students and looking at different points of view and different perspectives to try and ultimately do what's best for students. And I feel like education is one of the only types of organizations where you're not truly getting consumer data and research to drive decisions. Like you talk to anybody at General Mills or Best Buy or any Target, any of the other Twin Cities-based companies, right? Or companies around the world for that matter. They're constantly making changes. They're constantly serving. They're constantly listening to their customers and what it is that they want and how they can create a better experience for them. And in education, we haven't done that. You know, obviously this work and using student voice is is a start, but I sure hope that school leaders can can start taking some of those lessons that we've learned from from corporate to be able to apply and to make make schools better and to, to have systems in place to be able to re, to get that feedback, to have those focus groups, to talk to those students and then that's one piece and then changing is another piece because I think that's where a lot of students I feel like are feeling like the systems don't change is because there's not that feedback loop. They they may say something that they want changed, but then they never think that anything ever changes from their voice and from what they've shared. And many times that's not always the case. That's a couple of things that really have resonated for us is one, we were doing a lot of policy and a lot of system-wide changes. And, you know, throughout the Voices Project, we've had things continue to happen in our organization that have highlighted that we really are living through a time where our kids are not feeling supported in our system. And, you know, social media is really difficult. And, you know, like I said, we truly are a microcosm of, of the United States right now. And there's a lot of division. And so if it doesn't impact the day in and day out experience for kids, it doesn't matter. And so thinking about, again, what they said in those videos, it's about relationships, about how I show up at school, how I'm seen as school. Am I seen as a full human, my full self and all I can be, even if I'm being a typical teenager, which kids, they're supposed to push back. We all had, you know, good days and bad days. And, and so that is really the communication piece. It's like, okay, we, we will, as leaders, continue to change the system, but how, do we, how are we measuring the true experience of, of students each day? And that's with the adults in their lives, but also their peers. And students are the ones who can change the peer experience. So how do we create student leaders and so that they can influence the, the climate and culture in their buildings? And then what 
avenues do we have for them working with their building leaders, but then how do they get to work with us as district leaders? And, you know, we're still working through a lot of those those avenues and mechanisms, and thankfully there's organizations like Captivate and other organizations we've worked with that have models that you can either connect with other districts and learn from them of what they're doing and or pull from, like you're talking about, private industry that, that do this more naturally than public education has because everyone has experienced public education, that's most people, or education period. Even if you didn't go to public education, you went to private, people have a lot of opinions on public education. And so when you get feedback, it's hard to sift through and realize, okay, what, what will be the thing that helps move the needle in terms of experience for students and connecting relationships in schools and relationships with us and feedback with us in terms of leadership. But I'm, I'm thankful right now what I see coming out of some of the division or some of the uneasiness during the pandemic is students being really aware of their power in terms of their ability to be leaders, that their voice matters, and that they are really continuing to lean into that. And so they are holding us accountable in a way that, you know, when I first started in my career, that didn't always happen. And I would say it was, it's been increasing over the past few years. But I think really understanding that they're a generation that wants us to change and things are changing so fast. This world where, you know, it's changed so fast in two years that I think they realize the world that they're going to be growing up in, it's going to be completely, it could, it could be even more different than it is right now, just around like, how could we come together as a community? Right. Absolutely. Last question here. You've been in education for a while. You've seen different types of professional development kind of uh, come and go. How is the Voices Framework different? How, how have you seen the way that, I guess, this approach, uh, its impact on staff, different from other types of professional development you've seen in your career as an educator? It's different because it is personalized, because it's really your district and your kids, and it's it brings that human aspect into things. And so I think... What I would not have anticipated, I could have told you that the kid, the student voice, of course, is going to make a difference. Of course, they're going to have these really powerful stories. But what I didn't anticipate was what was going to come out of those stories and how it was going to really help us as an organization stop making things so difficult and really think through from the student voice, like this is how we change and help you really think about changing what students need from us. And so, you know, in education, we've all said it, this is just the next Thing that comes around packaged differently or whatever we can say when we get a little sassy in education because I think it's not it isn't about anything but the human connection and the heart of your organization and that is our kids and that's what if it wasn't required of us before the pandemic which I, I would say it was but right now that is the only thing that matters and it is what's going to pull us out of this it's getting to the heart of things and realizing that we can't overlook it and it can't be an afterthought and it actually has to be the thing to lead us forward which makes most adults uncomfortable but if we really trust the kids and lean into the kids the kids are going to lead us through that the burden to solve the problem isn't on them absolutely is on us as adults but if you listen through their voices They'll, they'll give you so much. And, and I'm not just saying that as someone who listened to a video where they were talking about a bunch of other people. They were actually, they were absolutely talking about me as a principal. And many of the kids in there are kids that I really felt like I had connected with and they're kids that I will never, ever forget. And they didn't say, 
Dr. G was the best person ever, and she's the only one I connected with in this district that did not come out at all. And so the opportunity and blessing to learn from students in there, but also to check your ego and realize you, you don't have it going on and you gotta, you gotta figure it out yourself. Yeah. I think that's part of the power of the work is that it is, it is human and it is personal because many other types of professional development too. I mean, it might be for, you know, every school in the country or the state, but when these are your kids that you've got a relationship with, it can be kind of a gut punch. And sometimes as adults, we need those to kind of, to check our egos and to kind of take a look in the mirror and be like, Oh yeah, like I am part, unfortunately part of the problem. And there are things that I can be doing that can be better, that can make this environment better for, um, for students. And that's, that's tough, but needed. And I think, you know, there's the old quote, once you know, know better, you're supposed to do better. And I, you know, you hear from kids when they say, you thought you were doing better. You, you know, I thought I was for sure someone that they would have said that they connected with and that I, at least had been a champion in their lives. And that isn't what came out. And so to be able to one, hear it through a video. And then if you choose to follow up with the students and, and have that own personal, you know, reflection, but also thinking, okay, what do I do differently now as a leader? Or what do I do differently now as a professional? And even if you don't have that deep of a level of a connection to the students in the video, you absolutely could reflect on your own students that you've had in the organization because if you don't know the students on the video you for sure for sure know a friend that that was in their friend group or you know uh, or if you're in a really big district you'll be able to you know picture kids in your class that are just like the kids that you're hearing from and so that's way way more powerful than many many other professional development but then you think about the strategies you learn in other places and it's like I missed the human connection of it I was trying I was being an adult and we sometimes can be real technical and forget the heart piece of it. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you joining today. And I love what you just said, you said about this work being simple, but it's not necessarily easy to do. I mean, we know that we need to be building stronger relationships with, with students, which sounds simple on the outside, but we know that it's, it's not always easy to be able to do that. So Thanks again for your time here today on our next episode, which will be the fifth in our series. I'll be talking with Josh Frazier from Brooklyn Center Community Schools and how they've continued to amplify student voice. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more, head over to our website at captivatemedia.us where you can join our email list as well as check out samples of our work in action. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Jake Sturgis. Thanks again, and I hope to see you next time.